Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is lesson number six in our kingdom series. Kingdom series. Lesson number six. First Timothy six and verse twelve. Our fathers, we approach your word. We do so with reverence. We do so humbly. Thanking you for its provision. Thanking you for the life that's in it. Thanking you, dear Father God, that we've been born of it. Thanking you for attentive ears and receptive hearts. Thanking you for the quickening of thy Holy Spirit. I thank you, dear Father God, for the greater one shall bring forth the word and demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that it may produce life and light and love in the hearts of those that hear it, that we may wax strong in spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses, or confessed a good confession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus professed a good profession or confessed a good profession, and also we are to confess our good confession, and it's called fighting the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. I believe in the Amplified Bible, it says confess your good confession of faith. Is that right? Does anybody have an Amplified Bible here? Anybody? What does it say? Confessed, confessed, a good confession of faith. Now, we said that we're going to get right into confession. We've been discussing the topic of the kingdom of God working in your heart, the operation of the kingdom, and we've touched lightly on the area of confession. And we said that we would get deeper into the subject, and we'll, so we'll start now. That way, you know, we'll get into some of it anyhow. Confession, there are four different phases of confession in the New Testament that we need to be familiar with, really three apply to us, the believer. But let's just start off by saying and repeating what we said previously, that Christianity is called the great confession. In Hebrews 3.1, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus of Nazareth. And here we see that Timothy said that he confessed a good confession before all his accusers. And we are commanded. Notice here. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Eternal life is going to come your way. You're going to have to enter into the kingdom of God by force. And you're going to have to lay a hold of the promise of God. And you're going to have to take them by force. You're going to have to lay hold of eternal life. You've been called to eternal life and profess this good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, and listen, 
that thou keep this commandment. You keep it. You keep this commandment. Bless God, keep the commandment. You keep that commandment of confessing your good confession and fighting the good fight of faith before all the adversary, before all the enemy. Amen? And in Hebrews 4 and 14, we said that seeing that we have a great high priest that's passed off into heaven, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, let us hold fast our profession or confession. Hold fast to your confession of faith. And in Hebrews 10 and 23, we found out that it was holding fast the confession of your faith. Now, there are different phases of this confession. Number one, we said there's the confession of the Jew, Matthew, the third chapter, verse 6, turn there with me. The confession of the Jew confessing his sins as he was baptized in the River Jordan. Chapter 3, verse 6. Matthew 3, verse 6. Well, we we'll read 5 and 6. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Confessing their sins. We said this is not Christian baptism. But here we find the Jew under the Old Covenant going to the River Jordan, being baptized of him in the River Jordan, and confessing their sins. As I said, that's not Christian baptism. That's only the confession of the Jews' sins under the Old Covenant. Secondly, we won't spend time on that because it doesn't pertain much to us. Secondly, there is the confession of the sinner. The sinner must make a confession. It's found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You don't have to turn to it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we see number two, we have the confession of the sinner unto salvation. What does he confess? He confesses the lordship of Jesus and denounces the lordship of Satan. Amen? And by the confession of his lips and the believing of his heart, he's delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of his love. So that's the confession of the sinner to be born again. But once you've been born again, there's no need to confess that again because we've already made him lord of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then thirdly, and this is very important, there is the confession. Now notice all three of these are negative. Actually, confessing the old way. In other words, confessing, confessing the Lordship of Christ, but confessing, you know, denouncing Satan's Lordship over your life, confessing of their sins. And here again we've got a neg negative sign of it. Confession of the believer's sins. The believer makes confession of his sins. When you're out of fellowship. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, Confess your sin. Confess your sin. So you see, first you confess that you were a sinner. Right? I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and now I confess him as Lord. So you confess the fact that you were a sinner and had need of a Savior. And now we see that the believer, once he is saved, must make confession of his sins. Whenever we get out of fellowship with God, and this is pertaining to fellowship... 
we must confess our sins. We said the word confession actually means to identify with or to say the same thing. To say the same thing or to identify with. Identification. If you identify with your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Identification means that I don't put anybody else to make anybody else the blame for my sin. I identify myself with my sin. If I have fallen short, if I have missed the mark, I have sinned. I don't say, well, now, Lord, forgive me. You know, I sinned and walked out of love, but you know, if it wasn't for Brother John, I wouldn't have done it. That's not identifying yourself with your sin. That's blaming somebody else. That's excusing your sin. Well, you know, Lord, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't have done this. Well, it wasn't your wife's fault. You did it. Amen? Say, well, she had a part to do with it. No, you didn't have to sin anyhow. Did you? Confess your sin. Identify your, yourself with your sin. Don't you remember that the publican and the, and the Jew, he, he, he thought he was so righteous, the Jew did. The, he says, I'm coming before you, uh, oh dear God, he said, and look at this publican over here. I'm glad I'm not like he is a sinner and doesn't do this. I fast twice a week and I do that. And the Bible says he prayed with himself. That guy didn't no more confess his sin. You know, it's just I'm on the moon right now. He didn't do it. All he did was, was pray with himself. Amen? But the other fellow, being a publican, he said, well, now, Lord, forgive me a sinner. Forgive me a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you of a surety, that fellow went home justified, and the other fellow, he stayed with it. He kept the sin. Amen? And so, you see, there's the confession of the believer's sins to restore fellowship with the Father after you've gotten out of fellowship. We have to be aware of confession, identification. But as I said, those three are important, but not as important as this next step. Number four, there is the confession of your faith. The confession of your faith. Fight the good fight of faith, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession. They hold on eternal lives, see, and professed or confessed a good confession before many witnesses. Now, the confession of your faith in Hebrews 10.23, that's what it says. The confession of your faith, hold fast the profession of your faith, is not the confession or the profession of your sin. It's not the confession of a sinner being born again. It's not the confession of the sins of the believer or of the Jew. That's not does not deal with the side of confession. We are to hold fast the confession of our faith. Now, we need to understand what our faith is involves. The confession of our faith, I like to say it like this, is our identification with Christ. The confession of our faith is our identification. It means to identify with. Hold fast the identifying of yourself with Christ. Hold fast to saying the same thing about yourself as Christ. Christ did about himself. Did you never notice that Jesus held fast the confession of his faith from the beginning unto the end without wavering? Who do men say that I am? The Son of God. He did not deny it. Well, he, Peter says, Thou art the Son of God. They say you're John the Baptist. One says you're Elijah come, etc., etc. But he says, Who do you say that I am? Peter said, You're the Son of God. He held fast and said, Let the Father reveal this to you by the Spirit. And everywhere he went, even before Pontius Pilate, Who do you say that you are? Are you the Son of God? Thou sayest. Are you the Son of Man? I am. 
And you're going to see me clothed in glory, coming in the clouds of glory, clothed in all my glory with all the holy angels. He held fast. He didn't care what kind of persecution came his way. He held fast to the profession or the confession of who he was. Now, the believer is to hold fast to the confession of who he is, his identification with Christ. And when you do, beloved, then the dominion of Satan over your life will wane and the supremacy of God over your life will get stronger and greater and greater and greater until you walk like he walked, until you grow up into him in all things. Now, it includes, number one, the confession of your faith includes what God has done for you through his great plan of redemption on Calvary by the shedding of his blood. That's the first phase of the confession of the believer's faith that you ought to hold fast to. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Well, what did he do for me? What did he do for me? Number one, he delivered you out of the authority of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He took you out of one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and he brought you into the kingdom of light. You are no longer under the rule or the dominion of the kingdom of darkness, but you are living under the rule and the dominion of the kingdom of light where Jesus is king. Jesus is king of the kings of light. Jesus is Lord over the lords in light. Amen. I am to hold fast to that confession or profession. Bless God. You hear people talking about all the time what the devil's doing to them and the devil's after him and doing this and doing that. Well, bless God, the confession of your faith that you are to lay a hold on to and hold fast to and never let go. No, Satan doesn't have any authority over me. No, Satan doesn't have any power over me. No, bless God, nothing under his kingdom of darkness has any authority over me. I've been delivered out of that kingdom. I've been transcended to God's kingdom, and that's where I live. And Jesus is King and Lord over my life. That's a confession of your faith. That'll put him on the run and get him to flee from you as in terror. Amen. That's the confession of your faith. Whenever you hear some believer being all down and out, and, and you know what, it just seems like it, that, uh, you know, they're just going through all kinds of troubles and trials and tribulations and circumstances, listen to their confession. Remember what I said. Continual confession means continual possession. If you continually confess the Lordship of Jesus, he will continually be master over your life. If you continually talk about what the devil's doing, if you continually uplift him in your life, then you'll be depressed and down and out. But bless God, what are we to hold fast to? The confession of our faith. So he delivered you from the powers of darkness. He translated you into the kingdom of the Son of his love. I am to continually confess that. What else did he do? He delivered me from the law of sin and death. I no longer live under the dominion of the law of sin and death. That means that sin has no power over me. I am free from sin. That means sickness and disease has no power over me. I am free from it. I've been set free from it. Amen. I just can't seem to make it. Well, you see, that's, that's, that's the confession. That's the confession of most people. You talk to most believers, they're, they're fine Christians. I mean, they believe, you know, they believe in God. They're born again, genuinely born again. But somewhere along the line, they lost their confession. They lost the confession of their faith. Don't you remember that Paul, when writing to Timothy before he left off to go, he knew he was going to be with the Lord. He said, I have fought the fight. I have fought the fight. 
I have finished my course. I have run the race. I held fast the profession of my faith unto the end, and there's laid up for me a crown of glory, eternal in the heavens. He held fast to who he was in Christ. He held fast to every good thing which was in him in Christ Jesus. No, no, we're not to confess the dominion of the devil over our life. Someone says, well, you're just trying to ignore it, say he don't exist. No, I just don't give him any, any license at all. The Bible says give him no place in your life. No place in your life at all. None whatsoever. And if you don't give him any place in your life, blessed, blessed be God, he has no place in your life. You are free. 1 John 5.18 will be a reality to you. He keeps himself in the love of God. He sinneth not. He sinneth not. I don't have to sin. Make your confession right now. I don't have to sin. I can live free from sin. I am delivered from sin. And it's dominion. I'm delivered from death. And it's dominion. And I am recreated in righteousness and holiness. See, I can live free from sin. You hold fast to the confession and profession of your faith that that's who you are and what you can do. And bless God, he keepeth himself, he sinneth not, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Is that your goal? Is that your goal? Bless God, I keep myself unspotted from this world and free from sin, and that wicked one has no place in me, he toucheth me not. Amen. Well, let that be the confession of your faith. What else are we to hold fast to our confession of? Well, he hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. He hath redeemed me from the curse of the law. Are you redeemed from the curse of the law? Are you? Have you been delivered from it? Are you free from it? That I am to hold fast the confession of my faith. I am to boldly stand before sickness and disease and all the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and death, and stand fast and boldly proclaim that I am, have been freed from the curse of the law. Now, when I do, if I go back up and look at what that curse of the law is and let that be my confession, it touches every area of my life. I'm to hold fast to that confession. I'm not to let loose of that confession. I'm to hold firm with that confession under the end, without wavering, without wavering under the end. Well, I'll say it from now until Jesus comes. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Every sickness, every disease, every curse that's listed under the curse of the law, I have been redeemed from. Well, what else did he do for me on Calvary? Well, he bore my sicknesses and he carried my pains, carried my diseases. Did he not? He bore my sins, my sicknesses, my diseases, and my pains. He paid their awesome price in hell's domain. What is the confession of my faith? What am I to hold fast to? Surely he bore my sicknesses and carried my pains, yet I did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, but he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. Who his own self bear my sins in his own body on the tree, that I, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, and with his stripes I was healed. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and bless God, if he did, I am free from it. I'm free from it. I'm free. That should be my confession. When do I say it? All the time. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Faith's confession creates realities. And the more I confess that kingdom that's working and operating inside my heart, that seed that's been planted in there, the seed of eternal life. Now remember, I taught this all before up to this time. So you have to go back and listen to the tapes if this is your first night here. 
But as you begin to make your confession of faith, there is a growing season. Seed time and harvest does not come one day than the next day. But there is a time called the growing season. And in that time, we are to speak God's Word. There are three phases of spiritual growth. In your nature, in your conduct, in your speech. In your nature, in your conduct, in your speech. The seed was planted in your heart. It changed your nature. When your nature got changed, it changed your conduct. And the greatest thing that people need to know in the body of Christ is when our tongues get changed, we become a full-grown character bearing fruit. Don't you remember he said uh, the person that deposits good things into his heart brings forth good things. He bears fruit of good things. He shall eat the fruit of good things. Now, speaking the truth in love, growing up into him and all things, speaking the word, speaking your faith in love, speaking the word in love. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man or a fully grown mature man. He's uh, complete in Christ. So you see, the last phase of spiritual growth is speaking the truth in love. In other words, it shows up in your speech. Your words will be changed. You know why your words will be changed? Because your heart will be so changed that your words will line up with your heart. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love and growing up in all things. So that's the confession of our faith. The more I say it, the more I continually say it, the more I continually possess it. The more I continually say it, the more of a reality it becomes in my life. The more of a reality, when it gets to the place that it's a reality in my life, I'm actually walking in the light of it. I'm actually walking in the power of it. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. You say, where's the problem lie? Well, the problem lies this. In this. A lot of people will do it for one week or two. Three weeks or four. And then they'll faint and get weary. And when they do, they end up with a neutral confession. When they have a neutral confession, their faith isn't working. They have neutral faith. They know the truth, but they're not doing the Word. They know what the Word says to do, but they're not doing it. And so consequently, they're being led by circumstances. And that seed will never go into a tree. It's a sad thing to say this, beloved. But the majority of the Christian people will never grow up into Christ. I mean that. Last 2,000 years, the majority of the, of the born-again Christian never really grew up into Christ. There have been a few that hit it here and there. But the majority of them, because they didn't understand the operation of the kingdom in the heart of man, did not grow up into Christ. We are living in a day, we are living in a generation when revelation knowledge is flowing in such like it never did before. We are learning how to operate in kingdom principles. We have the Spirit of God unveiling to us the deep things of God. And right now, as we begin to learn and understand how to operate in these kingdom principles, the 30, 60, and 100 fold, the church of the living Christ is going to be producing 100 fold in the earth. Even though the wickedness is getting worse and worse and worse and worse, we've never seen the 100 fold, the 100 fold wickedness in the heart of man in the earth yet. We've not seen the fullest, the full extent of the work of Satan's kingdom in the heart of men. But before Jesus comes, the, the, those that are living in darkness shall wax worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. They'll get to a place that they're operating in 100-fold darkness in the earth. But bless God, right along the other side, the church of God is learning and developing in kingdom principles and the kingdom and the glory of God will be operating in the earth 100 fold when Jesus comes you think back in days gone by we saw the worst no you didn't see the worst you see that process was just reversed when, when Adam fell he began to operate in that kingdom of darkness only 30 fold see and that has been growing up since 60 fold 
I don't know how close we are right now to 100 fold, but we're getting there. And before Jesus comes, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's going to get so bad it'll be a hundred fold operation of the kingdom of darkness in the earth. You think about that. But on the other hand, the church should be getting brighter. Don't you remember the Bible says in Proverbs that the way of the righteous is as a shining light and it's growing brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Oh, we're being changed from glory unto glory and glory and glory and glory and glory and brighter and brighter and brighter until it looks like Jesus again is living on the earth in fullness of power. You better believe darkness will flee then. Well, number two. Well, now let's let's finish over here. There's many there's many things I can go on and give you all kinds of things, but you should be holding fast to the confession of your faith of what Jesus has done for you. That's the first phase of confession. Number two, what has He done in you? What has he actually done in you? Here's where a lot of people miss it. They see themselves after the flesh. They don't see themselves after the spirit. And consequently, they have a double confession. They have a twofold confession. They're double-minded. They see themselves in the flesh and don't see themselves in the spirit. What has he done in me in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Well, what has he done in me? He has made me a new creation, a new species that never before existed. Inside my spirit, I am a recreated being. All things are passed away. All things are become new. I, get, I say this, and you should do it every day. If you don't do it every day, you're going to have to start doing it every day. This should, you know, every day is a new day. To me, every day is a new day. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. Today's a new day. Tomorrow will be a new day when we get to tomorrow. Amen? Amen? And so when you wake up in the morning, it's a brand new day of salvation. Your confession should be. Now remember, we said that a negative confession produces negative faith. Negative faith is unbelief. Unbelief is the acknowledging of Satan's power over your life or over the life of the person whose God is the Lord, over the life whose body is the temple of the living God. And that negative confession is you're acknowledging his power over your life. And really, you are acknowledging who you are in the flesh. But in Philemon 1, 6, we gave you the scripture that the communication of your faith may become effectual by your acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What has he done in me? What has he done in me? See? Different phases of confession. Confession of your faith will bring faith. Confessing the word will bring faith. Confessing your faith will renew the mind. Confessing the word of God will renew your mind. But confessing your faith will change your heart. Remember we said the seed of God's word when planted in your heart is the smallest of all things that be in the earth? But when it begins to grow up and grow up into a big tree, the biggest tree of all, that all the birds and the fowls of the air come lodge under that tree, well, the operation of the kingdom in your heart is beginning here. As you begin to confess day in and day out, day in and day out, he, he told Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but confess day in and day out, day in and day out. Here's why people miss it in the air of confession. They just do it once in a while. That's not good enough to do it once in a while. You've got to do it day and night, night and day, day and night. You've got to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I am in Him. In Him I live and move and have my being, right? Okay. By the acknowledging every good, good, good thing which is in me. I am a recreated being. All things are passed away. All things are become new. I am created into His glorious image and likeness. I have the fruit of His Spirit in me. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. I humbly submit myself to the authority of His Word. He and His Word are one. 
I'm obedient to his commandments. He enlarges my capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so on and so forth. And you just keep on going and just taking every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus and speaking it out. I speak to every mountain of satanic adversity and it can't stay in my way. It's got to go in Jesus' name. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart and it's in me now. I am a person of love. I am born of love. I walk in love. God's love, agape love is inside me. I endure long. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm never envious. I abhor that which is evil. I cleave to that which is good. I bless. I do not curse. I bless those that curse me. I pray for those that despitefully use me and so on and so forth. And you begin to say it. You begin to say it. You begin to say it. Confession. Confession. This confession is not to the world. This confession is to your ears, to your heart, so that you can develop a self-image. We said confession brings a self-image. It changes your heart. It produces a self-image. Thus, God, you begin to see yourself as a son of God. You begin to see yourself as a daughter of God. What has he done me in Christ Jesus? He's made me the temple of the living God. He's imparted his divine nature into me, which is that divine nature of love. And you go on and on, on and on, on, every single day, every day, every day. He said diligently, diligently, diligently seek him, didn't he? Well, he wants us to acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. See, we're not just talking about confessing that you're healed or confessing that you're prosperous. We are talking about confessing who you are, who you are, what he's done in you in the new birth and by the Holy Ghost. Number three, this is very important. What I am to the Father. What am I to the Father? Now remember, we said that if we have a, a neutral confession, then we'll have neutral faith. If we have a negative confession, we'll have unbelief. But if we have positive confession of God's Word, it'll bring faith, it'll renew the mind, it'll change the heart, it'll produce a self-image, it'll set the law of faith into motion, it'll get angels working in your life, it'll cause them to go and do things for you with your confession. Listen, it'll change, it'll keep under that body of yours. It'll cause you to bridle the whole body. And finally, the last thing we said it would do, the confession of your faith would cause the believer to grow up and be perfected in all things. For he that offends not in word, the same as a perfect or fully grown developed character. Now, that's what these, this will do for you. But here we see that the person that does not confess from his heart and with his lips the lordship of Jesus in every area of his life. He has a neutral confession. He has a negative confession. And I'm sad to say this, but it's true. That person will continually be under the dominion of Satan, even though he's been free from his power. See, Satan uses the power of deception to get you to use your own power against yourself. He gets you to use and I'm fearful, and I'm fretful, and I worry, and I can't stop from worrying. All you're doing is just allowing him to come in and cause those things to rule in your life. The more you confess weakness, the more weakness will reign in your life. The more you confess lack, I can't seem to pay my bills, the worse it'll be. You'll stop the money from coming in. I wish I had time right now to get on, the, on how the angels actually get busy out there with your confession. The deliverance of angels comes by the confession of your, your mouth. It's a whole other teaching. But it's so true. We're not to even utter a word before the angel that's in unbelief. 
because every transgression and every disobedience receives a just recompense of reward if the word of an angel is disobeyed. But we have the written word of God that came not by an angel, but came by the very Son of God Himself. And that word is sure. He is able to save us to the uttermost, to the end, to the uttermost. And the confession of God's word puts God on the scene. The confession of God's word causes His power to be activated in your life. And the more you stand upon that word and develop that word inside your heart, the angels of God will be going to and fro to minister for you in every aspect of your life to do what the word is saying for you. But I said, I can't get into all that. I'd like to, but I want to get through with this here. Let's, number three, what I am to the Father. What am I to the Father? What are you to the Father? I'm an heir of God. I am an heir. I am an heir in his kingdom. I am a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. As he is in heaven, so am I on the earth. I am a co-laborer with him in the earth. I am an ambassador in the earth. I represent heaven. I represent its government. I represent its covenant. I represent all that heaven has on the earth. That's how the Father sees me. I am his loved child. He gave birth to me. Of his own will begat he me with the word of truth. And since he gave birth to me, he is my shepherd. I'm the sheep. I don't have any wants or need because the shepherd takes care of all the needs of the sheep. I'm in his flock. I am his son. I am his daughter. What am I to the father? And the more you say it, I'm a son or a daughter. I'm spotless. I'm blameless before him, before the presence of his glory. I stand in his throne room as accepted in the beloved. I have access to the throne of God. I could stand there and walk in there and say, Father, here I am. And he says, yes, son, what can I do for you? That's who I am. That's who I am to the Father. I hold fast the confession of my faith. I don't say, no, I can't go to the presence of the Father. I don't say he doesn't hear my prayer. I say, bless God, God is on my side. He has made me more than a conqueror. That's what he sees me, more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. That's how he sees me, you see. And as, he, as I realize he sees me like that, and I hold fast to the confession of my faith, I'm not saying once a month or once a year. I'm talking about every single day. The Lord is the shepherd of my life, and I do not want for anything. I, in my relationship with him, I am a son, or I am a daughter, and I'm more than a conqueror, and I'm an heir of God. I am royalty. I'm king and a priest in his royal kingdom. Bless God, you, you start chewing on that every day. I mean, morning, noon, and night. I am royalty. I operate in the royal priesthood. I lift up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, the opening up of my lips to give thanks and praise unto his name. That's who I am. I am accepted in the beloved. I have an inheritance in this kingdom. Now, I'm not just saying when we're in church. No, I believe it's time that we start to just walk like who we are. Don't you think? Amen. Walk like who we are. Call yourself who he says you are. Identify your, with yourself what he says about you. Say the same thing. That's what confession is. Let us hold fast our identity with Christ. I've been raised with him. I've been seated with him. I'm at his right hand right now. And so on and so forth. See? Now you hold fast to that. That's your confession of your faith. You hold fast to it. Especially in the hard times. Especially when trouble comes. You hold fast to the confession of your faith. Under the end without wavering. And he'll see to it that it comes true in your life. Number four. What's God doing? What's Jesus doing for me right now at the right hand of the Father? 
You are to hold fast to the confession of your faith. What is Jesus doing for me at the Father's right hand? Well, when Jesus was here on the earth, he spent three and a half years teaching his disciples many things. He walked with them, he talked with them, and he prayed for them, he interceded for them. Remember he told Peter, Peter, I pray that thy faith fail not. Satan desired to have you and sift you like wheat. Jesus was praying for them on the earth. He prayed for the world, we know that. He interceded for the world. He made intercession for them. But right now, Jesus, are you ready? Jesus, for 2,000 years, has been interceding for the body of Christ. He ever liveth to make intercession for me. Jesus is ever living to make intercession for the body of Christ. And he's been doing it for 2,000 years. If you think that he did a good job when he was here on earth for three years, beloved, he is perfected in intercession. He is making perfect intercession for you right now. Brother so-and-so, would you please call, uh, you know, everybody pray, make intercession for me? Yeah, we'll do that. And I praise God that we can intercede for one another. But don't you ever forget when you want somebody to intercede for you. You look up to heaven and say, Father, I thank you that right now Jesus is making intercession for me. Hold fast to the confession of your faith that Jesus is at the Father's right hand making intercession for me. Number two, he is my advocate. He is my lawyer. He is the one that pleads my case. Whenever I miss it and fall short of the glory of God, well, bless God, there's no need to fear. There's no need to fear because Jesus is at the Father's right hand pleading your case and if you'll confess your sin, he'll take your case to the Father. He'll declare to the Father, I shed my blood for that sin and it's covered by my blood. And the Father will say, let it be done. And you'll stand before the Father clean, spotless, blameless like it never happened. That's what he's doing for you right now at the Father's right hand. He is fulfilling, and I like this, he is fulfilling John 14, 13, and 14. He is fulfilling John 13, 14, 13, and 14. 14th chapter of John. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I'm going to my Father. And if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He is standing there. He is fulfilling this scripture in our ears. He is seeing to it that when any believer asks anything in his beloved name, he is going to do it for that person that's asking in faith. Oh, you know what my confession is? Bless God, I'm a believing one. I am not a doubter. I believe the Word of God. I hold fast to my confession that I am in Christ. I'm a believer. And the works that he did, I can do also. And whatsoever I ask the Father in Jesus' name, he does it. Or, or whatsoever I ask or demand as my rights and privileges in Jesus' name, Jesus does it. He sees to it that it comes to pass. And anything I ask in his name, it's done. It's done. What else is he doing? He's fulfilling John 16, 23 and 24. He is taking your prayer request to the Father. He is seeing to it that when you pray, he takes them right over to the Father, and he says, Father, in my name, that one down there who is my brother, I died for him, I shed my blood for him. And I told him before I left that if he'd ask you anything in my name, that you would do it for him. And so here I am. He's asked in my name. Now, Father, you said you'd do it, so you have to do it for him. And the Father says, yes, because you did it, I'll do it for him. That's what he's doing there right now. 
He's doing that for me. He's doing that for you. Let that be the confession of your lips and heart. Not once in a while. Morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. I find myself walking around sometimes saying, yep, 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 that's me. Glory be to God. He answers my prayer. When I pray, he answers. Glory be to God. When I pray, he answers. When I pray, he answers. He said, you're trying to convince yourself? You better believe it. When I pray, he answers. When I pray, he answers. That's God. When I pray, he answers. You say, well, it doesn't seem like it's working too good. But it does for me. When I pray, he answers. When I pray, he answers. And you know what's happening? And while everybody else is out there and their trees are getting, you know, dried up and everything, you keep on watering your tree with the confession of your lips and heart. You are growing and growing and growing. No, they're not watching you. They're not seeing it because it's in the invisible realm. But bless God, you're getting stronger and stronger and growing and growing and growing. That little fruit tree out there, you know, for the first so many years, you didn't see any fruit on it, did you? But bless God, it was growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. One day, it just started bearing fruit. You just went out there and just picked and ate the thing. Well... Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. I'm in the kingdom of life, life and love. And in my tongue I have the power of life. And as long as I keep speaking it, my tree is growing and planted by the rivers of water and going into being bearing all kind of good fruit. Fruit of the tree of life. And when everybody else is sitting back, and like I said, the half withered away, I don't care, glory be to God, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to just be a tree of life. Amen. Glory. Tree of life. Bearing fruit into every good work. Just letting it just, just come and pluck them off. Amen. How about you? Don't you want to be a tree of life? Don't you want to bear fruit into the Father? So what about this faith wall? It doesn't seem like it's, it's working like it should be. You what? It's working. It's growing inside me by leaps and bounds. This confession business gets catchy. It gets you more speaking God's Word day in, day out. You just be get to the point that, you know, just that's all the bubbles up out of you is just the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. I get into a place that, you know, I just don't even question things anymore. I just say, no, 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 that's not God. That's not a God. That's not of God. God don't want that. Sickness and disease not of God. I don't even want to hear about it. Death is not a God I don't want to hear about. Glory, life, health, prosperity, every good gift, every perfect gift. I have gotten so far away from hearing the negative side. When I hear somebody speak it, it pierces my heart. There is that speak it like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing and health. That's the tongue of wisdom, the tongue that's full of wisdom. That's the wisdom of God to confound the wise. He brings the not those things that are by the things that are not. See, I'm speaking things that are not into existence. One day, beloved, you'll be that tree. You'll be that fully grown, developed character, bearing fruit of righteousness. Well, there's another thing here. We can go on this here forever, what Jesus is doing for you at the right hand of the Father, but I just want to get through some of these. Now, what can he do through me? Hallelujah. What can he do through me? Well, remember over there that Acts, the 8th chapter, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and those that were taken with palsy and were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. And in verse 12 says, But when they heard Philip preaching the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and of the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, what can he do for me? He can fulfill Mark 16, 15 through 20. Bless God, he can save the lost through me. Bless God, he can cast out devils through me. Bless God, he can speak with new tongues through me. 
Glory to God, if I drink any daily thing, it will not harm me. If I lay my hands upon the sick, they shall recover. I am the whole fast, my confession or profession of faith, that when I lay hands on the sick, they recover. I am the whole fast, the profession of my faith, when demon forces come in, in, in my sight, they flee from me as in care, because I have power over them. I don't care how many times you fail. You hold fast the confession of your faith, that they have got to flee when they see me. Hold fast to it. Don't let loose of it. Don't let loose. When you stand before Jesus, I'm telling you something right now, he's going to say the same thing. I told you to go in all the world and preach my gospel to every creature. He that believes in the shall be saved. They believe not shall be damned. And these signs will follow you, I said. You, I said. He said, Lord, but I tried that laying on of hands and it didn't work. He says, I told you it wouldn't work. I told you to lay your hands on the sick and they would recover. Your job is just to lay your hands on the sick. My job was to see to it they recover. So I'm not, I'm not leaving that confession in my faith. When I lay hands on the sick, the glory and power of God is released from my body and goes right into that body to heal it. Hallelujah. That's the confession Amen. of my faith. And I'm not letting loose of it for nobody. Amen. You find out when you get in this area of healing, like for your children, people do this. They get off and they say, well, you know, I pray like that and it don't work for me. It don't work for me. Listen to what you're saying. Continual confession means continual possession. The more you say it don't work for you, the more it won't work for you. My confession's always been this. I always pray and God heals my kids. When I pray, he heals. When I pray, he heals. Bless God, I'm not going to let loose of that confession in my faith. I'm not going to let loose of it. The secret of faith is the secret of confession. And if you'll learn the secret of confession, not when you're in church, not when you're in your prayer closet, I mean be conscious of the Word day in and day out in every aspect of your life. All contact that you come into, you speak God's Word. Well, he can do all that to me. My confession is boldly that I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. My confession is I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. My confession is I say He is my deliverer. He is my fortress. He is my Almighty God. I say in Him I trust. And so on and so forth. Let the redeemed of the Lord I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that you may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. Are you boldly saying that? Are you boldly saying that? Confession of your lips. Confession of your heart. Now remember, we said confession does all these eight things. Brings faith, renews your mind, changes your heart. There's a lot inside the human spirit that has to be changed so that we could operate a hundredfold in the kingdom of God. If it were not so, then there'd be no need to have... What did Jesus say about the ground? Hard ground, stony ground, ground full of weeds and thorns and thistles. All those things got to come out before the seed can take place and develop within you. All those things got to come out before the kingdom can operate in your heart a hundredfold. But I'm willing to do it. Are you? I said I don't want to be a half-baked Christian. Do you? Do you? I want to look to heaven and say, Glory be to God, Father. I thank you that you heard me and I have the petition I desire of you. Don't you? Don't you? You know, I mean to tell you, you should, be, you should want to be like that. What are we presenting to the world? Something that doesn't work? Something that's no good? Some God who's less than the God of Elijah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
Less than the one that called down fire from heaven and burned up the sacrifice we talked about last Sunday. Less than the one that parted the Red Sea and caused them to walk dry shod. No, we don't serve a dead God, but we serve a God that's alive and living and well and manifesting himself in the earth like he's never done before to the believer. And bless God, we got something to show the world. It's the glory, it's the power of God that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Why do you think the church has turned to the wisdom of men? Why do you think the church has turned to psychology? Trying to mix the Word of God with psychology. Getting all these metaphysical science religions and all this in, in, involved in all these things. Why do you think the church has turned under the medical fear like it has? Because they entered into a place of having a form of godliness but denying the power of God. I said there's power in the living God. I have faith in His power. I believe in his power. I believe in his healing power. I believe in his delivering power. I know it's here right now. I know the power of God is present to heal us right now and deliver and save to the uttermost those that he has set free by his blood. I know that. You keep that switch of faith turned on, bless God, you'll be like that woman with the issue of blood. You make a demand upon that ability. You make a demand upon that power. You know, say, be it unto thee according unto thy word. As thou hast believed, sister, be it unto thee. That Roman centurion came. He knew there was power and authority in Jesus. He knew he had the authority by his words. He said, just imagine what Jesus said about that fellow. Notice this confession. I said, Lord, I operated it like this. I didn't see it before. He said, what can I do for it? He said, my servant lies home sick of the palsy. Someone say, bad confession. That's a fact. That his servant was lying home sick of the palsy. Is it not? Did he boldly tell it to Jesus? Yes, he did. My servant lied home sick of the palsy. But speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Now, you ready for this one? If your servant lied home sick of the palsy, he's already spoken the word. He's already spoken the word. Now make your identification with Christ. No, no sickness or disease or germ can live in my body. Thus, God, I am the redeemer of the Lord. I am the healed of the Lord. As he is in heaven, so am I on the earth. I am the body of Christ in the earth. I am a part of the body. I'm part of Christ himself in the earth. And germs and sickness and disease can't live in my body. He spoke the word, be healed. See? Let your faith stand in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. I'm getting wound up here. Go with me, little Hallelujah. Well, there's more to this. Go to Colossians, the first chapter. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that all night meeting. For all day meeting. I mean, just teaching. I mean, teaching from morning to night. Go with be to God. Just teaching the Word of God. I got so much in me, I like to get out about the Word. Just go from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Just have a little shouting time about the Word. Get some thinking straightened out. There's so much thinking in the body of Christ that needs to be straightened out. We need to talk about the mind. See, there's so much to talk about. This. We need to talk about the mind in, in, in great depth. What to do with the mind. How to take care of the mind and renew the mind by the Word of God. Well, let's look at something over here in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 12 and 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, who hath delivered us out of the powers of darkness... Who has delivered us out of the powers of darkness? Delivered us from the power of darkness? Say this with me. I am delivered 
from the power, the kingdom of darkness. I am translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. There are two kingdoms that are operating in the earth today, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The king of the kingdom of darkness is Satan. The king of the kingdom of light is the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the king of the kingdom of light. Death is the power of Satan's kingdom. Sin and death. Righteousness and life and health and healing is the power or the nature. The nature of Satan's kingdom is death. But the nature of God's kingdom is righteousness. Death in the spirit is sin. See? The nature of Satan is sin and death. Showing up in the body, it is called disease. But righteousness, which is the nature of God, which is life, life, in the human spirit, shows up in the body as health and healing. Fear and haste are two forces in Satan's kingdom, and faith and patience are two forces in God's kingdom that will determine which kingdom you draw from. The person that operates in fear and makes hasty decisions, he that believeth shall not make haste, shall draw from Satan's kingdom. But the person who stands in faith and patience, that person shall draw from the kingdom of God. Whenever there's a decision to make in your life, and you find yourself pressured into making a hasty decision, you better believe that you're going to be drawing from the wrong kingdom. But when you wait upon the Lord and renew your strength and stand upon his word, it'll be faith and patience that'll draw from his kingdom. Faith and patience will draw out of his kingdom. Now, these two kingdoms are operating in the earth today. I think something we need to know about it. As far as these two kingdoms go, there is no affinity in these two kingdoms. There is no likeness in these two kingdoms. There is no trust in these two kingdoms. None whatsoever. There is no compromise in these two kingdoms. There is no fellowship in these two kingdoms. As a matter of fact, there are enemies in such a degree, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, are enemies in such a degree that hum the human race has never known or understood the degree that these two are enemies. They've never understood it. But can you imagine the forces of darkness against the forces of light? Can you imagine when you see devastating war upon the face of the earth and we see two countries that are at war against each other and how much hatred there is and violence there is and selfishness there is? Can you imagine seeing the fullness of the kingdom of darkness at war with the kingdom of light and seeing how wicked and how much hatred the kingdom of darkness has for the kingdom of light? Can you see? imagine seeing the fullness of, of Satan's person? How horrible. It's the total opposite of the kingdom of God. And I think it's time, beloved, that we realize that these two kingdoms are so far apart that you and I should be so far apart from the other kingdom. Sin should be so far from us that we should strive against sin on the blood. And if sin was on one side, 
and hell was on the other, we'd sooner go into hell than sin against our God, as one writer said. We should violently take the kingdom of God by force and violently stand against all the wiles of the devil, stand against his entire kingdom by using the kingdom of light in such a, such a way. If you could just imagine it, I think we're going to see it as we read the book of Revelation when we see the great battles that are going to take place. When you begin to realize that God does not like the devil, when you begin to realize that he is an arch enemy, and when you begin to realize that Jesus is going to spew him out of his mouth with the fire of his tongue, then you'll begin to realize that you and I should stand up against un all ungodliness. When we find any beloved brother or sister that has calamity come their way, this talk about, oh, God wants to show you a lesson or God wants to teach you this, it's time to put that kind of talk down. It's time to stand up violently against the kingdom of darkness and tell them they've got no right to handle the body of Christ in such a way and stand arm to arm and shoulder to shoulder and make our bold confession that Satan is a defeated foe. He's got no power over the kingdom of life and all the glory and all the power that's in the body of Christ standing together shoulder to shoulder and all the faith that's displayed in the unity of the body of Christ will dispel all that darkness in a hurry. That's what we've got to start to do. I'm seeing in such a greater depth like I've never seen it before. No, ungodly things aren't even funny, beloved. The things of what they do, the Bible says, we shouldn't even talk about. All ungodliness. These two kingdoms are far, as far apart as anything can be. Such a degree that man has never known. You as a believer, as a shining light in the kingdom of light, should be so far from the kingdom of darkness. Remember he said... In James 4, 4, if any man be a friend of the world, the same as an enemy of God. If any man love this world, he does not love God. The things that are in the world, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. If any man be a friend of the world, he's an enemy of God. The world stands for the kingdom of darkness in his system. That's world system lies in darkness. And I'm beginning to see the depth of the kingdom of light. How light dispels darkness in such a way that darkness can't stand to be in the light. It can't. And the more of that light that comes inside you by the word, the entrance of thy word giveth light. The entrance of thy word giveth light. The more light that comes inside your spirit, the more glory that comes inside your spirit, the more you will abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. We don't hate the person that's in that kingdom. We hate the kingdom. We love the sinner. But we don't love the kingdom. And that kingdom stands against all godliness. And, beloved, it's time that the believer stands against all ungodliness in a way that they've never been before. I believe we're going to see it on the earth. We are going to see spirits, souls, and body sanctified, preserved under the coming of our Lord. I believe we are going to see a hundredfold manifestation in the earth, greater dimension of God's spirit and glory and power in the lives of the people of the last generation that's never been seen before. I believe they're going to see. If you think that when the graves open up and when Jesus died upon Calvary and the graves open up and, the, and those bodies of the dead prophets went to Jerusalem and preached the, preached the gospel, if you think that that was some kind of a manifestation, you wait and see when the glory of God is manifest through the church of the living Christ in its full dimension, a hundredfold on the earth. And it's only going to be through the Word. When we get perfected in Him and that which is perfect is comes at the perfecting of the saints, when we get to that, great, that dimension right there, in the body of Christ, the kingdom of darkness is going to tremble and shake at our sight. That's what we're heading for. 
It's diligent work. It means to give your life. It means to give all that you have, but the rewards are great. Do you have that desire in your heart tonight? Do you? I mean, if they, I'm in on this thing. Are you? I don't want to be a half-baked Christian, like I said. I'm, I want to get in the front lines, and I want to stay in there. You hold fast the confession of your faith until Sunday morning. And then we'll give you some more to hold fast to. Well, praise God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.